This is going to be like a Will Ferrell production. It's essentially just uh, all improv, and we'll keep we'll only keep in the good bits. <laughs> Welcome to the party, pal. From the silver screen to the GM screen, Never Say Die asks, what can we learn from movies to enhance our role-playing game experience? I'm Rafe Telsch, film critic. And I'm Drew Meyer, gaming enthusiast, and tis the season to hold a special one-shot holiday special episode. Uh, We are going to call this Welcome to the Party. Rafe, welcome to the party, pal. Drew, welcome to the party, pal. (laughs) Between uh, work commitments... Family illness, total internet failure, usual holiday chaos, and a partridge in a pear tree. We thought it'd be best to take a moment to consider the movies we've watched and games we've played in 2023 before returning to our regularly scheduled programming. This also buys us a little bit extra time to get our ducks in a row for our regular scheduled programming, since there are elements that uh, we're, we're still polishing uh, before we are ready to record that. It's true, yes. I have statted characters, uh, statted Saul, uh, in three different systems, uh, and some <laughs> of them are better for statting. Static. I mean, it's like, what do you do with your evening? Well, uh, I spent a couple of hours uh, coming up with uh, role-playing game statistics for Carl Reiner, and honestly, <laughs> I really can't think of a better way to spend an evening except for maybe talking about movies and role-playing games with you. So well, and and we are kind of shooting from the hip here because we did want to have something uh, recorded. We did want to not ignore our um, wonderful, faithful listeners that we appreciate. So this is a little lower key. Uh, we don't really have an agenda as much as we normally do. But Drew, I did notice when I was editing our Ocean's Eleven episode, and if you haven't listened to our Ocean's Eleven episode, you still have time to get that in before we do the intermission for it. Um, but I did notice while I was recording that you weaseled your way out of the segment that you wanted to get rid of that I wanted to keep, which is the podcast homework. And I understand you have a podcast homework question to ask to kick off our little impromptu discussion here. Since it is, we are recording this on December 21st, presumably it will be out um, probably Christmas Eve. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to just, in my own defense, didn't weasel out of it. (laughs) <laughs> just didn't get to it. Uh, our Ocean's Eleven episode is pretty chock-a-block full. In fact, we missed something so important that was so key to the movie and to gamifying the role-playing experience of the movie that I don't understand what happened. So uh, here is my here, my podcast question for you, Rafe, and for all of our listeners. Uh, because it is uh, December 21st uh, and our episode is inspired by the film itself, my question to you, Rafe, is, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? (laughs) Now, originally, originally my question would have been, I need you to give me a five-minute presentation arguing whether for or against it, and I will take the opposite (laughs) side. But honestly, uh, I know you don't want that kind of homework, and our listeners probably don't want to listen to that kind of homework. So so here's the deal. One of the podcasts that I listen to, since we, we like, you know, talking about other podcasts, um, which we is called do. Get Played. One of the uh, co-hosts of that podcast is uh, Heather Ann Campbell. He writes for Rick and Morty and wrote for the first season of Miracle Workers, which I absolutely adored. Um, she's been on Whose Line Is It Anyway? So she's she's got some writing cred to her name. She 
argued that Nightmare Before Christmas is a Christmas movie because after the first five minutes of the movie, Halloween is over with and the rest of the film is leading up to Christmas. On that same logic, on Thanksgiving Day, the same day our Ocean's Eleven episode came out, on Thanksgiving Day, my uh, 14-year-old son was insistent that we had to watch Sam Raimi's Spider-Man because it has a four-minute scene that takes place at Thanksgiving. So therefore, it is a Thanksgiving movie. So by that rationale, yes, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. It is not my go-to for a Christmas movie because most of my Christmas movies, I want to have that optimistic, feel-good vibe to it. So, you know, the typical stuff like Elf and A Christmas Story and pick your version of A Christmas Carol minus the Muppet version, of course. But Die Hard doesn't really give me that feel-good vibe. It's a fun popcorn action flick, but I don't hold any ill will towards anybody who make it an annual tradition to visit Die Hard. And, and I'm not going to argue one way or the other, but <clears throat> someone did point out the other day that is a it has the same narrative plot of most Christmas films, which is on Christmas Eve, a family in trouble through difficulty um, gets closer together uh, and in generally invites someone outside of their social circle into that family or or the impetus of that change be- comes from some some traumatic event outside of that family uh, and so in that way I could see it it's not a regular for me as well um, it's certainly a movie that I do like watching but it's not something that I, I like it's not Christmas until I've watched Die Hard and I'm sure a lot of people for a lot of people it is but I mean Die Hard's an amazing film so any excuse to watch it is, is fine sure. but it's one of those every other year for me I think sure. Every couple of years, yeah. Yeah. I, st- I still need to show it to my son, so we may watch it this year. I was at a Christmas trivia uh, at one of the local breweries this week, and I was reminded of um, Gremlins being a Christmas mm-hmm. movie. And I, I I think that's on my list to show my son as well. Now, I sent you a, a meme that's been going around a little earlier that was, if you watch Die Hard immediately after Love Actually, then Alan Rickman gets his comeuppance for how he treats Emma Thompson in that movie. <laughs> Because I do think Love Actually is a Christmas movie, and it is one of my kind of annual go-tos. I know you are not a fan of that movie, but it is one of my favorites. <laughs> uh, here's the thing about about that meme. Is uh, what he did to her is so disgusting and rude and horrible that unless she is knocking him off of uh, Nakatomi Plaza, it, it doesn't count. Because she needs to... Actually, she's so classy and good, she probably mildly forgives him. So, uh, ugh. Ugh! Way to ruin Christmas, bringing up love, actually. I love that movie so much. And you and the girl who sings that, uh, Mariah Carey, covers the Mariah Carey tune right. in that movie, she goes on to play Marceline in Adventure Time. Really? Yeah! That's awesome. Well, there's an, uh, there's an Adventure Time. It's it's slightly better. I, all, is, all is forgiven then. I guess. Uh, I, here's here's my thing, Drew. You can watch Love Actually and just go get popcorn during the Alan Rickman scenes, and it's it's fine. The the rest of the movie is pretty pretty solid, I think. Well, I think so. I mean, like I get the point between Love Actually in being that there's many different types of love, and we get to see various demonstrations of love and how people come together and how how love falls apart. And I think that's all valid. The problem is if I went to go get popcorn during any scene in which women are mistreated in that film, I wouldn't watch the film. Um, 
you know, <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what. I, even though we've never spoken and you're 18 years old, I'm going to profess my love to you even though uh, my best friend is in the next room. Oh, you're going to kiss me for that? Fantastic. Oh, listen, I know I've been calling you fat this entire time and I'm a political uh, a political figure and you're an employee of mine. And as we all know from real life, that never turns out bad. Uh, but yeah, anyway. All right. <laughs> Let's you're talk not, about wrong. let's talk about Christmas films that really center on the true meaning of Christmas. Rafe, I watched uh, so I've started my Christmas uh, viewing. Well, I'd hope uh, so. We're a, only a few days away from it now. Right now, I don't have a traditional Christmas movie. Really, uh, one okay. that I watch every single year. Yeah, no, I mean usually it's and this is going to tell you how I feel about Christmas in general. My two go tos were Scrooged and The Ref. Starring Dennis Leary. Which I've never seen. Neither one of those. I'm not, you know, you don't have to see it. Um, <laughs> it's It's got one moment in the ref that's truly brilliant, but the rest of it is is questionable. But I did start a couple of nights ago with Elf. Um, oh, that was it. pretty spectacular. I didn't realize that Ray Harryhausen did both the stop motion animation and the voice of the uh, Magic Narwhal. Yes. So that in itself is perfect. But two nights ago, I watched what I think is going to have to be an annual Christmas classic, something I'd never seen before. I'd been hearing about it for the last eight years. Uh, and that is uh, Michael Doherty's Krampus, which... Which is on my if list. You talk, if you want to talk about uh, Gremlins being a Christmas movie, and again, it's a movie that takes... It's a horror movie, horror comedy movie that takes place at Christmas and was ge- not geared towards children, but certainly marketed towards children. Uh, inappropriately so, but it was the 80s. I think Krampus, and for anybody listening who hasn't seen it, I think Krampus is a perfect horror movie, introductory horror movie for young teens. Hmm. Um, I mean, certainly older teens. Like, it's got violence... But it's not graphic. It's got profanity, but it's not terrible. Uh, there's no nudity in it. There's okay. legitimate laughs, like quite a few laughs. It basically feels like maybe a, a classier version of something along the lines of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, where mm-hmm. you get the ultra-liberal uh, family gets visited by the ultra-conservative family members. They come and everything, you know, it's like a, kind of an odd couple kind of clash of ideals. And then... You know, the horror begins at the beginning of Act 2 and just doesn't let up. But there's still moments of uh, real humor and heart and Christmas spirit um, and also a lot of Christmas cynicism. But then you've got Tony Collette and you've got Adam Scott and among others. But it's a, it's a really good cast. And if you've you've seen Trick or Treat, Michael Doherty's um, Trick or Treat film. I have not. So I that would it. be another thing. Yeah. yeah, I would highly recommend that one as um, like almost must annual uh, viewing for for Halloween. It's a really great anthology series, better than almost any of the other anthology, horror anthology series that have come out in the last 10, 15 years or so. Uh, But that's my opinion. What have you watched to get yourself in the Christmas spirit? I don't think we've actually watched Elf yet, but it's it's there. Uh, I'm sure we'll get to it. Uh, Mine, uh, my girlfriend has a three-year-old, so we were focused a lot more on stuff that is appropriate for that. So we showed her Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Oh yeah, of course. (laughs) Of course. The um, 1960s, 24-minute, uh, 26-minute uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Love it. And then watched the How the Grinch Stole Christmas from two or three years ago. The um, Illumination Animation one with Banner Snatch Cummerbund. Oh, I've not seen that. Is it good? It's really good. Okay. And like, like 
I like the Jim Carrey live action one, but I'm not like it's not one that I live by. The song it. from it kills me, but because I get really depressed around Christmas time, so a song asking "Where are you, Christmas?" is just immediately like might as well just like hand me the tissues from the get go. But this one it was really good, and I mean it's a very different take on the Grinch than what we've gotten before. In that he's not so much a complete hermit as he just doesn't like being around people. And, like, the Jim Carrey version made, like, the gave the, the rationale for the Grinch being the way he was was because he was picked on and that kind of stuff. And this one is, like, him not realizing that he's his own worst enemy. That his, his solitude and his loneliness is self-imposed. And... As someone who deals with depressive issues, there's a lesson in there for me. <laughs> so, like, right, I, sure. I really liked it a lot more than I expected. The Doctor Who Christmas episodes are, are an annual must-watch for me, especially the Matt Smith ones, the uh, the, the take on Scrooge, which unfortunately Christmas lost yeah. uh, Michael Gambon just recently, too. So that's going to be a harder one to watch. But I, I watched two of the three David Tennant ones. Um and I'm making my way to Matt Smith. So nice. you know, those, that's annual stuff for me. Uh, Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, because I'm a huge Muppet fan. Uh, Christmas Muppet Christmas Carol is the night is a, a Christmas Eve because it has the song One More Sleep Till Christmas. So I have to watch that on Christmas Eve. Um, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, that's that's um, uh, a spirited came out last year with Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell. And it's a take. It's a very self-aware take on A Christmas Carol. Uh, and some of the songs in it are absolute bangers, so I enjoy that one. We're, we, that, we were going to watch that one tonight, but then I, I decided to, you know, record a podcast or something. <laughs> it's amazing how, how much uh, and how quickly a podcast recording can just ruin everything. Um, <laughs> so no, it's probably a podcast got a couple episode of... <laughs> that ruins everything. <laughs> right. I've got um, maybe two movies left in me um, before Christmas that I'll, I'll probably watch, and I think tonight we're going to watch... Um, the original Shop Around the Corner, the one that uh, You've Got Mail is based on. So that oh. one's apparently a Christmas film. Okay. I am I always crave black and white classics, and it's one that I haven't seen. So uh, I I purchased it on one of my most recent multimedia. My Christmas gift to myself, of course, was, was spending 12 hours in a, a used media store <laughs> trading in stuff and getting uh, DVD viewing for the next six months. So I picked that one up. I'm looking forward to seeing that one. And then, you know... White Christmas, maybe Muppet Christmas Carol, something along those lines. Uh, let um, me let me throw in there because you just said you like black and white, you know, classic movies. Uh, a little bit of shameless self promotion. Uh, early in the life of my other podcast, someone picked The Bishop's Wife uh, with oh, Cary yeah, Grant, sure. uh, which I had never seen before then, and that's a fun Christmas movie that most people have not seen. I have definitely seen it, and I think I saw it before the remake of it. Which Denzel Washington? Denzel Washington, right? which I've not seen the remake still. So yeah, yeah, I think I've seen both of those, but it's been twenty five, thirty years. So maybe I'll check a look at that and and see. Oh, actually, well, there's definitely another Christmas movie I want to see, but we may or may not discuss that one sooner rather than later. So I'll hold off on talking about that. Well, that's Christmas movies, Ooh, um, Christmas and heist. that's. okay there's a couple of them out there There and one recently got released and it's getting good reviews so i have to take a look at that one i think it's the same Um, one that i my my son actually mentioned to me uh, about three hours ago and i was like oh do i try to cram it in before drew and i record (laughs) (laughs) well you do get to choose the next movie that we discuss so we'll have to see so 2023 has been a year and we have watched movies 
We so have. both of those statements are true. But the question then becomes, what have you watched this year that you liked, would recommend uh, either... Tw- see, I know that when the Oscars come Oscar season, you do your due diligence and you mm-hmm. watch everything that is nominated. And it's nice once the nominations are in, you have a list that you can choose right. from because just trying to pick what the Academy is going to select is is uh, <laughs> that way lies madness. You know, there's there's one film that we haven't discussed yet that has come out since the last time we've talked that I really hope gets Oscar consideration for Best Foreign Film, uh, at least nominated for. I do want to talk about that, but is there something else, anything that you've seen that came out in 2023 that you would recommend? Something good from this year? And then we'll go on to films in general that you saw this year that you liked. Well, the AFI already put out their list of the best films of 2023. They they don't narrow it down to one. They put out a list of like 10. Uh, Oh, really? Okay. I've seen two of their 10. Uh-huh. My son has seen three because he went and wow. saw the Bur- Barbie movie without me. But uh, I, I, I will say Oppenheimer was really good, but Across the Spider-Verse right now is probably one of the best I saw that came out in 2023. Now I have a list of li- easily half a dozen to a dozen movies that have come out recently or are coming out streaming that are on my list of like, okay, I need to watch these even before the Oscar nominations come out. But Across the Spider-Verse was so good. And I yeah, mean, how could it not be? And you and I, I think, talked about it when we when we when got the chance to see it in theaters. But yeah, yeah, I think um, having not gotten a chance to see it a second time right now, it's probably my favorite film that I've seen in 2023. But take that with a grain of salt because I've only seen seven films that were released this year. Right, um, eight. If you include Shin Ultraman, which came out in late 2022, but was released in the United States earlier in the year. And is now streaming. I almost watched that the other day. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I mean, it's not bad. It's a perfectly feasible film. I think you would enjoy it more if you were a fan of the original show. And I, it's not that I'm not, um, but I I just, I was not probably the target audience for it. But um, yeah, so I would say Across the Spider-Verse, probably my number one. My number two is one that I alluded to just a moment ago, uh, and that is Godzilla Minus One. Which is on which, my list to try and go see next week. You know, we we discussed last episode that my plan was to go see Marvels. It was certainly the film I was most interested in, unless I got, you know, until Godzilla Minus One. I went into Godzilla Minus One thinking, I just get to see a Godzilla film. I'm looking forward to seeing a Godzilla film. Rafe, if you had told me beforehand that I was going to cry multiple times during a Godzilla film, I wouldn't have believed you. It's very difficult for me to say it's the best film I saw the entire year because Spider-Verse is really, really good. If I watched both of them again this week, I don't know who would come out on top, but uh, Godzilla minus one. Yes, go ahead. Just to get the inside reference, you know, here for our our faithful listeners. um, Would you give Godzilla minus one a 10 out of 10? Uh, No, (laughs) I wouldn't give it a 10 out of 10. Um, It's, I gave it an 8 out of 10, mm-hmm. and the more I think about it and the more I discuss the film with other people, I'm thinking it's probably a 9 out of 10, and the same held true held true for um, Spider-Verse. Yeah, I've heard great things about Godzilla Minus One. It is definitely on my list, and I've heard I need to see it in the theater, so uh, hopefully next week, uh, once the, the holiday season dies down and I have some downtime, I may go try and catch it. Yeah, bring some tissue. I'm, I'm being very serious about that. No hyperbole. This film has one of the most 
I, well, you know, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to give anything away. Um, yeah, it's really impressive. And then uh, if I had to choose three movies that I really like this year, you know, certainly Cross the Spider-Verse, Godzilla Minus One, and then the next one would be the Dungeons and Dragons film, um, uh. which I just, I've watched it like three times this year. Uh, and it's it's one of those films that I think I will forever be able to just put on in the background and be able to pay attention for a little bit and then go back to doing my own thing and then come back for a little bit. Uh, it's a it really fun. Is it a great film? Certainly not. But it's a fun film. And for me, that is almost as important. Sure. No, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I mean, I have some of the, the, what I, what I used to call the important, capital I, important films that I think everybody should see, you know, things like Schindler's List. That's not fun. It's important because it has a message, but it's not something I would put on in the background while I worked on a puzzle or something, you know, but yeah, Dungeons and Dragons. Sad, yeah, absolutely. sad puzzle. <laughs> I've never seen Schindler's List. Oh, Drew, it is an important movie. You really should I, see and- it. I own it, and it's one of those things where, okay, so 2022 was the year I saw both Sound of Music and Dirty Dancing, you know, two films that people were just amazed that I had not seen. One of those I still um, have not seen. Yeah, and so maybe <laughs> maybe you'll hear it here, folks, uh, 2024, the year I watched Schindler's List. How about that? So I'll, that'll be something I'll do when I'm, I feel like watching an important film and not uh, Radioactive Lizard Destroys City. <laughs> <laughs> Drew, any uh, any any uh, movies you expect to get before we record again that listeners can look forward to you talking about in our little recap section at the beginning of our, our intermission? No. So um, some of you may or may not have known, I, I certainly have mentioned it in one of our previous episodes, um, for the month of November and December, I decided one of the things I wanted to do um, this year was watch all of David Cronenberg's films in alpha, uh, chronological order. Not alphabetical. That would have been weird. Um, <laughs> it would have made an equal amount of sense as watching them in chronological order. Uh, and I just want to say that my soul hurts, and it may take a while for my soul to heal after watching all of that. So really, more than anything else... You need fun. <laughs> Post-Cronenberg, the things that I'm looking for are things that will not wound my soul and my psyche. Uh, so, you know, anything along the lines of a Paddington or a Christmas movie... Anything with Muppets in it, uh, that that's probably what I'm like. If nothing specific, I, I I would be very surprised if I went and saw anything in the theaters between now and our next recording, unless it takes a really long time for us to record and American fiction is already coming out. Or um, <laughs> what's coming out on the 22nd of February? Oh, no, that's the Avatar uh, Netflix series. That I'm very much looking forward to. Yes. But, uh, you know, that's television. I didn't we, tell you we I have... started Legend of Korra. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. I'm, In preparation I'm for an uh, uh, RPG game? Yes. Yeah. I, uh, nice. I'm already one season down on it, and I'm really enjoying it. So. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I am, and this is not surprising no one, uh, we are almost done with season two of Leverage. Um, mm. our last, the last time we talked... We mentioned watching it, and I was like, yeah, now I just want to watch it. And so it's nice when you love a show enough to say it's one of your top five films of all time, and then you go back and watch it again and go, yeah, that's true. It really is. Like, I, it's one of those things where I could watch it probably every other year from start to finish. So Yeah. Well, you introduced me to that one, and I, good. I love it. So Oh, good. I'm so glad to hear that. Well, we'll, we'll probably – I think we should cover – leverage along with some of our movies uh, i was just thinking some of the heist films it would be interesting to find a leverage that that pairs well with it sort of like a a, a wine i don't know i don't need to give you any more podcasting homework uh <laughs> but and i do have a i do have a podcast homework question for you uh for our intermission 
Okay. Um, so I, I do have one of those, but we'll we'll save that for the next recording. That is movies, and certainly um, that is something that you and I both love. But this is a podcast about gamifying movies in role playing form. So, Rafe, is there anything that you've done in the this year in twenty twenty three, role playing wise, that you really liked, or even since the last time we've discussed? I know you have had you and I both have had a crazy schedule. So, um, yeah, um, I, I'm. My group has uh, only played maybe six times this year, if that. Um, So, um, and and I I wish we, that wasn't the case, but, you know, again, it's kind of the same thing, schedules. But uh, I've been looking at a lot more of the Kickstarters that I backed as they roll in and and other stuff. I I did start reading the Avatar RPG that, that... is a lot of fun. Like I'm, I actually would like to find a group for that, but I want to get my everyday heroes group going first. You know, I mean, I think, I think the biggest thing is the, the project that you and I worked on. Like that's my, my, of my RPG experience for 2023. Well, I mean, now that you've mentioned it, you're absolutely true. Uh, I'm sorry, sorry to be vague. We're not really sure what we can, we can discuss about this. (laughs) So, you know, maybe in 2024, we'll talk about that. For me, I have been devouring some rule books uh, recently, big, got big chunk of everyday heroes. I have gone back and read the kids on brooms and uh, teens in space. um, Mm, Nice. In order for one of the things that I want to start doing in intermission is for the podcast, we're certainly going to be talking about statting our characters. We're trying to decide which system Um, I definitely am looking at designing my own, which I've mentioned the last time we are probably going to be talking about that system on our Facebook group and on social media uh, and discussing um, everyday heroes, I think is what we've kind of decided that we're, we're, you know, we have until our next recording to make that official <laughs> judgment about that. I have having, st- we, we st- need to see you uh, a- a- adapt your character to three more systems before we need, we need. <laughs> well, speaking of the three more systems in, in, in addition to those three rule books, I have also um, purchased a hard copy cover, uh, a book of, it is a hard copy and hard cover copy of the Wander Home book, uh, so I'm going to do a Wander Home group um, that I'm I'm really excited about. You know, it's <laughs> no stats, GMless pastoral game, passive pastoral game about basically you know cottage core animals. So like that's right. completely different system. Uh, and then I got um, a, a couple of other systems that I've I've been reading through that I I've just I just been reading rules. The thing I want to talk about, since our last recording, I have played a game with my teenagers. Um, I had 10 teenagers set up for our end-of-year Christmas special, which I called Candle Nights, the 12 rounds of Candle Nights, where taking the songs of 12 Days of Christmas, which has a surprising amount of birds in it. Yes. And yes, <laughs> and I made a, a, a RPG session, a three and a half hour RPG session for it, which I was quite proud of. Um, I could probably make it available if anyone wants to to try, just even look through it. It does involve um, having to deal with a goose hydra. It does involve Mecha Krampus as its main bad guy. Nice. Um, but the part that I think, and my, my players insisted on me bringing ugly sweater and ugly sweater vests to the group that they could wear, half of them brought their own. <laughs> that was wonderful. But there was a little bit of uh, uh, an organizational snafu. And rather than be in our large community room at the library that holds 75 people, which it would have allowed me to decorate and put up a tree and have a spread and everything, uh, instead we ended up in the supply closet uh, with 12 teenagers in a table. I have some really wonderful pictures from this. It, it seems was, appropriate, though. It was, it was chaos from start to finish. Um, the Goose Hydra did its thing. 
Uh, it was amazing. Mecha Krampus did its thing. It was amazing. I I, I created Swantars, which are um, half swan, half human, but the human sides are proportional to humans while the swan body parts are proportionate to swans, so they actually can't move. They just fall over immediately. They are sorcerers, um, so they can cast spells. So there's all these, and I made miniatures for all of these. Uh, every single one of them. So there, at one point in time, including the players and all the creatures on the board, there was something like 50 miniatures on the board. It was three and a half hours. I will never forget. Um, and the fact that my players could cast, could summon the things that were on their sweater vests um, into play. So, um, you know, Jingles the Candle Knight's Hound came into play. Uh, we had a seasonal frost golem. We had uh, a seasonal tree elemental. We had, what was it? Oh, someone put on the ruby of flying, which is a small ruby that attaches to your nose. It allows you to fly for two rounds. So yeah, the barbarian got that one. Um, it was, yeah, from start to finish, it was brilliant. And it was just, it reminded me that the more bonkers you design a game, the less you hold on to the rules of a game. Right. Almost the more fun you're always going to have. Um, and it's one of those things that, even as I read these rule books over and over again, it reminds me that like the rules are the least imp- like if the rules get in the way of your fun, get rid of them. You know, yes and let your players do what they want to do as long as it's within reason and they're not you know committing homicide at, while they role play as twelve year olds. I mean that that kind of a thing is a bit much, but uh, yeah, nice. Yeah, I, I need to take a look at that. I, I need to see. That. I will. I will send you a copy um, with the <laughs> miniatures and everything. It's it's pretty fun. <laughs> I'm trying to think of anything else RPG. Oh, uh, this isn't RPG. This isn't movies. Here's my question for you, Drew. Yes. Uh, uh, just finished. Uh, for those who don't know, my day job is I'm a teacher. We just finished our uh, drama unit uh, in high school. Most years, your drama unit involves Shakespeare taught. Uh, the Scottish play, I don't know if this counts enough as a theater thing that we shouldn't say the name, so we'll just leave it at the Scottish play, which is a, a you know, husband-wife team conspiring to kill the king in order to become the king, and then con- conspiracy to, to hold that power. And I was thinking, did Shakespeare write the first heist stories? Not that play as much as, like, Julius Caesar, because there's three or more in that team, so... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all I can say is if you select the Scottish play, I certainly, the, for my mastermind, I will select lady Scottish play. (laughs) And I look forward to statting her with everyday heroes or everyday villains as it turns out to be. As long as I can have a special ability called out damn spot, uh, then we should be fine. I love it. I love it. Technically, wait a second. So Othello does have a cunning plan to which to catch the conscience of the king. That technically is location specific, and it does involve a MacGuffin. <laughs> Some of his team may... And there's a betrayal. Rosengrads and Guildenstern, technically a betrayal. This is Hamlet, also, not Othello, by the way. Oh, yes. Did I say that? Oh, yeah. my goodness. Well, you can keep that in there. All right, I, I would like to say that I am recording this episode in my wife, a literature professor's office, and there is a fellow sitting right there on her desk. So I'm just reading the spine as I'm talking. There you go. Yeah. 
All right, I think that'll do it for us for this um, this uh, welcome to the party. But uh, we hope you all have a good holiday season out there. Again, this will probably come out Christmas Eve ish. Uh, Merry Christmas uh, to you, Drew. Merry Christmas to you as well, sir. Happy Candle Nights. Yeah. Yeah. So join us next year, 2024. We will get our act back together. We will be back on a relatively routine schedule, but we'll start the year with our Ocean's Eleven intermission, where we will discuss our second opinions. I have some stuff to throw at you, Drew, based on comments you made in the first one. And obviously it sounds like you have stuff to throw at me because I don't know what the heck you were just talking about at the beginning of our recording here. But uh, we'll talk about our second opinion, stuff that we may have missed the first time around, stat our draft picks with whatever system we finally settle on, and go over listener emails uh if you have opinions of your own about anything we've discussed today or oceans 11 related it's still time to get that in you can join the conversation you can email us at the never say die podcast at gmail.com you can head over to our facebook group the lesser of the evils out there where we are the never say die cast uh it used to be a private group apparently now it's not i can't say the next one drew you have to say it i just i like how you refer to facebook as the lesser of the evils the The greater greater of the evils (laughs) Certainly is going to be X, formerly known as Twitter. We are at Never Say Die Cast. Uh, we if we would, need to get on one of the Twitter alternatives, Drew. We've we gotta, really do. I'm yeah. on all of them. I can't decide. I just I don't have I'm the patience not. for it. I, I think um, I'm on Thread, uh, maybe. If this does come out on Christmas Eve, just know the next following day, the Doctor Who Christmas special will yes. appear. I am on multiple Doctor Who podcasts on a regular basis. Um and the 60th anniversary still feel, it feels like it's in full swing. I have a lot of things to say about that. If you want to hear about the things that I have to say about that, you can find me on the Who and Company podcast as well as the Doctor Who podcast. Uh, and I can be found on the Have Not Seen This podcast, which hasn't had a new episode. But go back and listen to The Bishop's Wife. Uh, that's a great one. We also did a series of like family-friendly uh, holiday movies uh, one year as well. And I'll get some new movies on there soon. Yeah, uh, like well, like I, I said, I'm I'm always available if you I, want to talk. Uh, I, like, and and I love talking movies with you, but we already have a Rafe and Drew podcast. It seems I weird know. to turn a second one into that. <laughs> if you want to see what movies we are watching, assuming that we have updated it, uh, you can find us on Letterboxd. Uh, I am at Boy Howdy. That is the letter B, the number zero, the letter Y, and then. Howdy. Uh, I am at Talnhess. That's T-A-L-N-H-E-S-S. Thanks to Chris Talent for our rockin' theme song and Megan Daly for our iconic show artwork. And remember, even if the bad guys shoot out all the glass causing you to go barefoot down the hall and kill your feet, never say die. And remember, even if you shoot your eye out, kid, <laughs> never say die. <laughs> and remember, even if you light the rat, Instead of the lamp, never say die. And remember, even if the chewing gum you find on the street is not to be put in your mouth, never say die. And remember, even if he is an angry elf, never say die. He's an angry elf. And remember, even if a coffin nail would be a better analogy than dead as a doornail, never say die. And remember, even if you sit on a throne of lies, never say die. And remember, even if you wear the chains that you forged in life, never say die. All right. I have so many to pick from that it probably will end up being uh, all of them. (laughs) And remember, even if now I have a machine gun, never say die.